was thinking this week, and I won't ask for a show of hands at all as we start, but I wonder, I wonder how many of you in this room, and I imagine most people in this room have heard of the name Billy Graham. It, perhaps at minimum, you know him as the guy who preaches on TV, or the guy who used to preach to stadiums filled with people, or maybe you know him as the guy that had something to do with, with leading thousands of people to Jesus, and, and, and you've, you've seen his, his, his stuff on the television before. Maybe you're here today because you even heard one of Billy Graham's messages, and it impacted you and changed your life, and so you're here as a result. You know, it was in 1949, Billy Graham's ministry was on the brink of launching into this worldwide thing that would impact thousands and thousands of people around the world. And it would inevitably, through this ministry, it was going to lead thousands of people to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was an incredible ministry. But I wonder, and I won't ask for a show of hands with this either, but I wonder how many of you have heard of the name Charles Templeton? I imagine far fewer of you have heard that name. You see, Charles Templeton was a close friend of Billy Graham. He was a companion. In fact, he was a ministry partner of Billy Graham's. In fact, it was thought at the time that Charles Templeton's ministry was growing to the point where he was going to eclipse Billy Graham's ministry. In fact, it, people estimated that Charles Templeton would lead many, many more people to put their faith in Jesus Christ than what Billy Graham did. And yet, very few of us know who Charles Templeton is. Why is that? Well, it's, a, it's kind of a sad story, really. Shortly after these two brilliant men launched their ministry together, the words from Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 became incredibly critical and took on a real seriousness. It's the words that we've been looking at these past few weeks. It comes from Ephesians chapter 6, and it says this, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You see this battle, this battle begin to rage in the hearts and in the minds of both Billy Graham and Charles Templeton. And it's the same battle that you and I face on a daily basis, that you and I who have put our faith, who believe in Jesus Christ, are promised to face, the reality is that we are all enemies of the devil. And this is why Paul tells us it's critical. It's critical that we are equipped with the armor of God. It's, it's, it's critical that we are equipped and prepared for this battle. And so he tells us, Put on all of God's armor that, so that we'll be able to resist and stand firm against the Satan in, in battle. 
And this is why we've been in this series the past few weeks, and we've looked at some of the armor pieces that Paul has told us we need to be equipped with. For instance, a couple weeks ago, we looked at what it means to put on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness. Last week, Pastor Joe shared with us about wearing those shoes or those boots of peace in battle. And today, Paul goes on to give us two more pieces of armor that that we want to take a look at together. And so let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, get those out. Ephesians chapter 6. They're going to be in verse 16 and 17. Or, of course, your phones, your version, or your Dwell apps that you use. You can have those ready. And I'll put them on the screens as well. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says this. In addition to all of these, meaning that belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace, he says, in addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. You see, Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, they marched into this battle. It's the same battle that you and I face every single day, but both of them had completely different responses to this battle. You see, Billy Graham, he, he, it was said to, yeah, he fell to his knees at the face of this battle, and, and he equipped this armor, and he put every piece on, and he picked up this shield of faith Paul was talking about. He put on the helmet of salvation, and in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Faith, he records this about Billy Graham. He says, rising from his knees, tears in his eyes, Graham sensed the power of God, and he said this, In my heart and mind, I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. An incredible testimony of equipping the armor. Unfortunately, for Charles Templeton, he, he chose not to equip the shield of faith. He didn't strap on his helmet when those fiery arrows began to fly. And the results here were were catastrophic. The fiery arrow of of skepticism hit Charles Templeton square on. And as a result, he began to lose hope. And he became discouraged. And he became disappointed. And it says in this book as well that this is what Charles Templeton said. As was inevitable, questions and doubts began to plague me. My reason had begun to challenge and sometimes to rebut the central beliefs of the Christian faith. Charles Templeton died in 2001 after walking away from Jesus. He died declaring that he was an atheist, no longer believed. And this breaks my heart. And it And it breaks my heart because it always hurts when you see a a fellow follower of Jesus walk away. But it breaks my heart more because I know that is the story of many people that will be in this room this morning. People who are questioning their faith. People who are on the brink of walking away from their faith. People who maybe have walked away from their faith and it's not necessary. They did it unnecessarily. And here's why. Because Paul tells us to hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, I'm a bit of a history nerd here, so bear with me a little bit. See, Paul was describing 
the Roman shield. And this shield would have not been one of those little round shields that you see so often in cartoons or in movies. This was not just a small shield that they could hold with one hand. The Roman shield at the time would have been extremely large. In fact, it would have been in the shape of a door about that size. It would have covered the soldier from his head to his feet. He could have completely stood behind this door. And not only was it large and made of wood, but they would have covered, the soldiers covered the front of this shield with a wet hide. And they would have soaked this hide down. And they did that for the sole purpose of when fiery arrows were shot at them in battle, the arrows would hit these shields and the wet hide would put the fires out. So they could hide behind them and offered them this blanket of protection. Not only were these shields large and not only were they capable of putting out fires, but it was said that they also would paint the front of these shields with insignias, with words, with symbols, with colors. And they did that to indicate which army they belonged to. Now this imagery would not have been lost on the Ephesian people that that Paul was writing to. As followers of Jesus, you and I are in this battle, and it's critical that we choose to pick up this shield of faith that not only is going to identify us as to whose army we belong to, but it's going to offer us vital protection against these fiery arrows that come shooting at us every single day. And you know these arrows, you know what they are because you feel them. They're arrows like, like fear. Fear is that, that arrow that leaves us thinking things like, oh no, what are, now what are we going to do? What are we supposed to do about this? How are we going to handle this? What's going to happen? That anxiety creeps in. That fear creeps in. You've heard these arrows before. Or what about this arrow? The arrow of loneliness. Maybe this is an arrow that you struggle with. Loneliness is the arrow that says, you know what? You're all alone. Nobody cares about you. Nobody is for you. In fact, God isn't even for you. God has left you. He walked away. Forget about him. There's no one for you. That's loneliness. I wonder if you felt that arrow. For me, this is, this is the arrow, the arrow of disappointment. This is the arrow that sometimes creeps in and, and, it, and it starts making us things, think things like, you know what, God, I... I really thought you were going to meet my expectation here. I really thought, God, you would do this thing, and you didn't. I thought, God, that you would heal my friend, or you would heal my family member, or you would heal me, and you didn't. I really thought, God, that you would fix this thing. You would fix my relationship. You would fix my marriage, and you didn't. I really thought, God, that you would give me this thing, and you didn't. It is always, always unmet expectations, and it leads to disappointment. I wonder if you felt that arrow. All of these arrows, fear, loneliness, disappointment, along with many, many, many more arrows that can be shot at us by our enemy, always lead to this arrow of doubt. 
This arrow of doubt is, is the one arrow that gets us thinking things like, you know what, God, I really, I really wonder, are you real? I, I really wonder, do you truly love me? Because I, I don't feel it. Is God really good? How can God be good? Can God be trusted? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it leads us to the conclusion that perhaps there is no God. That is always doubt. And I wonder if you've ever felt any of these things, because I have. And I promise you that all of these things are always, always arrows from our enemy. Every single time. I felt this just not too long ago. This arrow of disappointment. It, you know, when, when we, we lost a good friend of ours unexpectedly, and I caught myself saying things like, God, why did you do that? What was the point of that? What are we supposed to do now, God? That doesn't seem very good. That doesn't feel good. I don't understand. And, and I'm angry. And I'm frustrated. And you get... You get hit with these arrows. For me, the arrows were flying. They were whizzing past my head so fast I could hear them going past my... If I had hair, it would have been blown back. We feel these arrows, and yet... And yet, for me, as I walked forward into this battle, there was the shield of faith on the ground. I could choose to pick it up. I could choose to leave it laying there. And, and this shield contains a faith. It's a shield of faith. And it isn't a faith that is blind. It's not a faith that's dumb. It's not a faith that is unintelligent. It's not a faith that is just closed-minded and refusing to accept reality as some atheist would believe. No, this faith is powerful. And it's a faith that's described in Hebrews chapter 11. You remember this verse. It says, this, that faith is the confidence. If you have Bibles, circle that word confidence. It's the confidence that what we hope for, circle hope, because this is a faith of confidence, a faith of hope that will actually happen. It gives us assurance, circle assurance, because it's confidence and it's hope and it's assurance about things we cannot see. This faith that is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11 is a faith that combines assurance with anticipation. You see, I don't blindly follow Jesus because I'm dumb. No, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he died and he was buried and three days later he rose from the grave. I believe that I am forgiven. And I believe this because my life has been changed by this. And I also believe that because of these things, he will fulfill his promises. Those promises of, of eternity. The promises of eternal life. The promises of heaven. The promise that one day I will meet my Savior face to face. And even though, even though many of us may not have the opportunity to see all of these promises materialize yet, one day we will. And this is my hope. This is my confidence. This is my assurance. 
and this is my anticipation, and I can't wait. And when we pick up this shield that is infused with faith, the devil cannot defeat us. He cannot, because we rest in these words from Jesus that come from John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, I've told you these things. This is Jesus, so that in me you may have peace. He says, in this world you will have trouble. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. These aren't just empty words by Jesus because three days after his death, they went to the tomb and it was empty. He wasn't there. And he proved once and for all that he had truly overcome the world. And here's the cool part. These Roman shields that Paul is describing, these big doors, they had the capability to interlock. The soldiers, they would line up together and they would push the shields together and they would lock. And, and, and they would form this impenetrable barrier. The soldiers actually had a word for this. They would call it the tortoise because they would hold these shields and it would completely enclose them. Nothing could get through when they locked them together. And this is encouragement to me because you and I are better together. When we lock our shields of faith together, we are impenetrable. Alone, there's vulnerability. Together, together, we are unstoppable. That is why if you ever wondered why being together is important, why serving together is important, why encouraging one another and holding one another accountable and challenging one another and helping one another and loving one another, why those things are important is because when we lock our shields together, nothing, nothing gets through. Our faith grows and is unstoppable. We are powerful against the enemy's attack. So we equip this shield of faith, but then Paul goes on to give us one more piece of equipment. And he goes on to say, in addition to all these, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the devil. And then he says, then put on salvation as your helmet. See, Paul includes this piece of armor because as we march into battle, this piece of equipment protects the most vital part of our body, our brains, right? If a soldier's head was badly damaged in battle, then the rest of the armor really didn't do that much. It was his brain that needed to be protected, and the helmet, Paul tells us, is infused with salvation. You know, many of us think that this salvation is a one-time event or occurrence that happened. However, Salvation is ongoing. It's ongoing, and that is to bring you good news because salvation that is ongoing brings you daily strength. It brings you daily grace and mercy. It brings you daily forgiveness and deliverance from the sinful nature that we carry around. It gives us daily protection from our enemies' attacks and schemes. 
It's good to remember the helmet of salvation and to equip this because through the power of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for each and every one of us, our enemy no longer has a hold on us. His power has been completely taken away. And that's why I can echo these words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Remember when he said this, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he even mocks it. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he says, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a salvation that is ongoing, and it is daily. However, however, most Christ followers don't know that. Or maybe I should say it like this, not that they don't know that. Most Christ followers don't live like they know that. And, that. and that's sad because our lives should look drastically different. Our lives should look different because of this truth. There are attitudes and our perspectives ought to look different than one who does not have this salvation and this hope. Our, our lives should be different. Our responses to the brokenness of this world and our responses to, to, to the enemy should be filled with confidence and should be filled with peace. And I know, I know, I know, this is easier said than done. I, I get it. But this is why we have to tighten that strap on our helmet real secure before we march into battle. And so as we tighten this strap, let let me just wrap this up by giving you some steps on how we can make sure this helmet is tightened real good as you march into battle. Okay, the first thing I would encourage you with to tighten this strap is this. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. This comes from Ephesians chapter 4. A couple chapters earlier, Paul writes this to the Ephesian people. He says, since you have heard about Jesus, then you've learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, he says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You see, as we equip this helmet of salvation, we don't approach life like those who don't possess salvation. Not only do we act differently, but we think differently. With the help of the Holy Spirit within us, with the help of the Holy Spirit's work in us, our minds become renewed. Our minds become re-educated and redirected. That means this, that old lies that we've bought into, old opinions that we have, old ideas, old worldviews that we're clinging to, all of these things begin to be replaced with God's truth. This is the truth about who God is. It's the truth about who, who we are and the hope that we have in Jesus. This is the truth we cling to and we make this choice as Philippians chapter 4 tells us to fix our minds, right? Fix our minds, our thoughts 
on what is true, on what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. And then it goes on to say, when we do that, when we fix our minds on those things, then his peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. It is important that we renew our minds to this hope of salvation that we have. So first, renew your minds. And then second, I want to encourage you with this. It's to reframe your doubt. Remember this story? Remember the story of uh, the father in Mark chapter 9? And the father has this son, right? This son that was sick, and he takes him to get healed. And it says that this father's son had been demon-possessed since he was just a little boy. And he takes him to, the father takes him to the disciples, and the disciples can't seem to do anything about it. They can't, they, they can't help him. And so the father, he, he goes to Jesus now to get help for his son. And I'm sure the father is disappointed and frustrated and tired. He's probably doubtful. And he, and he asks Jesus to heal his son, but then he follows it up with those words, those three words, if you can. If you can. You hear the, the doubt that is in the Father's voice, understandably so, to which Jesus responds to the Father and says, hey man, Dad, anything's possible if you believe. Right? And to which then the Father responds back to Jesus with the thing that I think most of us probably think or have thought, where he says this, I do believe I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. He says, I do, I, I do have my faith and trust in you, Lord. I do believe, but, but there's still that doubt. There's still that doubt that creeps in, and it's understandable because through the circumstances of life, unmet expectations of life, this doubt can creep in very easily. Can it? We all, we all know this. And this is the circumstances that the devil loves to use to convince us of things like God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. He can't be real. We start thinking that maybe God can't be trusted or maybe he's not good or maybe he doesn't care or maybe he's not capable. These are the things that doubt does to us. But with the helmet of salvation securely fastened under our chin, we make the choice to believe what often appears impossible. See, we, we see doubt and we experience doubt. All of us do, and that's okay. But I challenge you to reframe your doubt. That means what you do with your doubt. You don't try to control your doubt. You don't try to hang on to your doubt. No, you take that doubt right to Jesus. Then you lay it at his feet. And in doing that, you tighten that helmet strap just a little bit more. So you renew your mind and you reframe your doubt. But then there's one more thing I want to encourage you with. It's to refocus on the eternal. And this comes from Matthew that says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You see, when, when life seems to be crashing in all around us, and it will, and if it isn't for you, just hang on, because it, it, it will, 
when this happens, I say remember to look up. Remember to, to refocus on the eternal here. We can choose to focus on things that are here. We can choose to focus on things that are out of our control. We can choose to focus on things that only impact us in this present moment. Or, or we can choose to keep our eyes on the prize, which is, which is Jesus. He's our salvation and is the most precious gift you and I have ever been given and can receive. And so as a result, it's always good to run all of these things, all of our lives, events and choices and decisions through this lens of Jesus and salvation. And by doing so, you ask this question. I always ask, does this event or does this choice or decision have an eternal significance? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, then I need to ask myself, where does my focus need to be adjusted? What is distracting me here? What is keeping me from looking up in this moment. And then we choose to look at Jesus, remembering that the victory has already been won. And so as we continually come to battle with this helmet of salvation secured each and every day, we begin to recognize some things we never recognized before. We can begin to see the traps. We can begin to see the schemes that our enemy has been throwing at us. It becomes more obvious. So we pick up the shield and strap on the helmet. For Charles Templeton, he went into battle and he was completely unequipped. He forgot his belt. He forgot his breastplate. He forgot his shoes. He didn't pick up the shield that was in front of him. And he didn't have his helmet securely strapped. And the results were catastrophic. The enemy attacked Templeton with all of the arrows and all of the doubt and all the things he could throw at him. And it left Templeton standing in the middle of the battlefield completely unprotected. And he fell. He fell. This, this crushes my heart. It crushes me because... You might be sitting here today. I say you are sitting here today preparing for a battle. Preparing for the moment you walk out these doors, arrows are going to begin flying at you. Those arrows of family struggles and marriage struggles and work struggles and mental health struggles and doubt and loss and disappointment and discouragement and on and on and on. They come flying at you the second you walk out this door and it's an attack like you've never felt and none of us, none of us can ever survive this without the armor. We have to equip it. So my final encouragement to you today as you leave is this. Suit up. Put it on. Daily, get ready. Get ready, and I pray that when it comes, when that battle comes, that you would be equipped and you would be able to respond just as Billy Graham responded at the end of his life. This is what is recorded of him saying. He said these words. I know that soon my life will be over. I thank God for it. And for all he has given me in this life. But I look forward to heaven, he said. I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. So grab that shield. Strap on the helmet. Equip yourself. 
Equip yourself and rest and remember it's all going to be all right. Let me pray for you before you go. Lord, this is, this is the truth. The battle is real. We know because we see it and we feel it daily. So Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you have given us this armor to equip, this, this belt and breastplate and shoes. Lord, thank you for the shield of faith, the faith that isn't blind, Lord, but that is uh, rooted in the fact that Jesus Christ has died and buried and rose again. You are alive. We put our hope and faith in that, Lord. I thank you. And our salvation, Lord, a salvation that comes through you. May we not forget that. We remind us of that every single day, Lord, so that we will be strong in battle. Lord, help us. We love you. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, have a great rest of your weekend. We will see you next week.